really like that video, amen? Now that's one, that one we will show the entire time. Uh, the little cutesy one we did for the family, that may have gotten old, but that's got so much great truth in it. We'll be showing that one the entire time. And uh, let me give a special shout out to our guest today. We're so glad that you're here. Thank you for coming and uh, being a part of our worship service today. We've had an incredible week in Bible school. Um, numbers, numbers, by the way, that we have not seen in several, several years. It was huge. It really was. And an uh, awesome, awesome thing God did. We give him all the glory and honor and celebrate his grace in that. And speaking of grace, um, we are going to talk about grace today. And we're in our series. Somebody said, you know, why is this still here? Did you not have time to take it down? Uh, quasi, madame, quasi. That may be a new French word. Um, actually, we left it up on purpose because first we had, we had VBS Luck Commander and the, the VBS. And now we've got Luck Commander, the series. And so get used to it because you're going to see it all the way till July the 20th. Okay. So hope you like it a lot. And the idea of the sermon series with Luck Commander is the sovereignty of our God. As it said in the video, that our God really is in control. We don't count on four-leaf clovers. We don't count on rabbit's feet. We don't count on lucky socks or special ties or salt on the shoulder. We believe as children of God that our God is in control and that he is sovereign in our lives. And we want to start today talking about graceful guidance. And and you always try to come up with some cutesy titles that maybe somebody driving by and seeing a sign would go, I wonder what that's about. And these titles of these messages are not particularly cutesy, but they're very hopefully insightful, graceful, as in full of grace, guidance. And we're going to talk about a man named Abraham today. So you can go and get your Bibles and look at Genesis chapter 12 is where we're going, verses 1 through 8. And we'll throw a couple other scriptures in there just for fun um, today. Now, let me tell you a story. He was from a, a broken home. His mom and dad, uh, his dad was a sea captain. And his, his mom had great plans for him to be a preacher. But she died of tuberculosis when he was like six years old. And so he was kind of bounced around from family to family. And eventually, though, his dad took him on his apprentice on his ship. And uh, he really was a rascal. He was very hard-headed, uh, constantly needing discipline, uh, kind of, you know, always in trouble, always in trouble. And so eventually he grew as a, a young teen and then only into, only into his like 18, 19 years old. And he was, he was the rascalian of the crew. Um, you remember, have you, have you heard the saying, he cussed like a sailor? Uh, this person invented that saying. Um, it is said of him that he would take and, and use the most vilest and profane language that you could imagine. And even, check this out, even made up words. And usually it involved around the captain. And the other crew got on board with it. So he became even more unpopular with the captain. And also got in more trouble with the captain. So just a bad situation. It really was just a, a bad situation. Well, one day they were in a very, 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 very bad storm. And he was, he was doing the, the boat thing, you know, steering the boat. And, um, you know, he realized he's probably going to die. And so in desperation, he cries out and says, God, if you'll show mercy on me today, then I will serve you. And they did survive the storm. And uh, that was the time of real life change for him. Even though um, he was in the slave business by then, he he remained in the slave business for a couple more years. And finally negotiated a contract where he didn't do slavery. Uh, He did a ship cabin, but it just took it out of him. He finally collapsed one day and was done with the ship business and finally became a preacher. And you remember I told you he wrote profane poems, uh, made up curse words, um, you know, cuss like a sailor. Well, he's the guy that wrote this. Amazing grace. 
How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was blind, but now I see. Was blind, I'm sorry. Once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. And his name was John Newton. John Newton. And I want you to understand by telling you that story that John Newton was a pagan. John Newton was a a retrobate. He was just as carnal as you could get. And he was such an unlikely candidate to ever write words like Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound. He was such an unlikely candidate to become a clergyman. He was such an unlikely candidate to be a child of God. But you know what? Isn't that all of us? Isn't that all of us? You understand today that all of us are, are retrobates, that, that all of us are pagan, um, that all of us at one time ran from God? And that's the business that God's in, is bringing people, drawing people to himself, just like he did John Newton. And you know what? Just like he's done in many of our lives, and just like he wants to do in your life. You know, there are really two kinds of people in the world. There are people who have experienced God's forgiveness by grace and people who have not. And then the people who have not, there's people who will and there's people who won't. And it won't be because God says you're too bad or I'm not interested in you. I don't love you. And I don't buy that predestination business about, you know, you don't have a chance. You're condemned to hell from the time you're born. I just don't buy that. I don't think it's scripture. John 3, 16 won't allow me to buy that. But it'll be a no... Because you'll choose no. So there are two kinds of people. Make sure I made myself clear. Those who have experienced God's grace and forgiveness. Those who have not. And of those who have not, there are people who will one day. And perhaps even today. And some who never will. Simply because you have to have all your questions answered. You have to know everything there is. It doesn't make sense. What about the dinosaurs? Did, did, Did Adam have a belly button? All those silly things that you're going to keep you from coming into a relationship with God and experiencing His love. I hope that won't be the case. I hope today, if you've never experienced God's amazing grace, that today will be the day that you trust Jesus Christ and have your sins forgiven. Now, this guy named Abraham. And, and understand that this is the story of a man. It's a historical story, a real story. But understand it's written about a particular man. I want to make sure that we don't claim things from the Word of God that's not ours to claim. So it's his story, but from his story, we can glean a lot of things that we can apply to our lives. The last thing you need today is a historical lesson. The last thing you need is go, boy, the preacher taught me all about Abraham. Great. What about my world tomorrow? I really want to bring in something from the word of God, principles that we can claim biblically to apply to our lives. That's my purpose as we look at graceful Guidance. Now, the Bible starts out in Genesis chapter 12 and verse number one, we read these words. Now, the Lord said to Abram, let's pause there. Notice, first off, it starts out with God initiating the conversation. Now, now we believe the Bible teaches and it does. In fact, Jesus himself said that no one comes to me unless the Father draw him. God is the initiator of salvation. The Bible says there's none good, no one. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none that seeketh after God. It's just not in us to do that. In our, in our, in our carnal state, in our natural state, we are not God seekers. But in fact, God is wooing and drawing people to himself. Just like in this case, God spoke to Abram. He initiated the conversation. Now, let me say one more time. God is holy. 
I mean, God's like perfect. I mean, God's like in a, in a universe, beyond his universe, all by himself. Like there's no one else like that. Uh, all the God wannabes, the pagan God wannas be, you know, the gods that we worship sometimes in America, the God of materialism, the God of our house, the God of our, our car, and the God of our prestige, or the gods that we sit on shelves. Those are all God wannabes. There's no God like the true God. And this true, all-powerful, holy, wonderful God initiates a desire for a relationship with Abram. Now, you're going to hear me use, in fact, it will be used, Abram and Abraham, his name was changed, kind of like Saul and Paul. So we had this guy, and, I, and you know, you think, well, the reason God sought him was because he went to church. The reason God sought him was because he was a pretty moral person. Um, the, the reason God sought him is because God looked at Abram's life and said, there's something redemptive there in the sense of his performance. You know, I see real potential in Abram, so I'll extend my grace to him. No. Abram was a pagan. The culture that he lived in was a pagan society. The creator God was not on their radar at all. Um, and by the way, the thought, the idea that, that, that Abram was a uh, nomadic person, that he was poor, and perhaps God spoke to him and he said, got nothing to lose. There ain't no check coming in next week. Maybe this God will give me something. Actually, if you look you know, later on in the chapter, we're going to look at see the fact that he had servants. He had slaves. He had many cattle. He had family. In fact, he lived in a culture that was pretty wealthy. So it wasn't the fact that, that Abram needed an improved lifestyle, so he kind of signed up with God like we do with Jesus. I'll trust Jesus and maybe I'll get a job. I'll trust Jesus and maybe this will happen. No. He simply was a pagan who served in this polytheistic society, this multi-God society. He wasn't even looking for God, just like often we don't look for God. And yet God speaks to him. Isn't that amazing? And here's what God says. Now, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house. He calls Abraham to a leaving. Abraham, I desire a relationship with you. And we'll talk about how that's established in a minute. I desire a relationship with you. But here's what one of the requirements is not for don't don't read word uh, requirement for salvation, but here's what I require: you cannot stay where you are and follow me. Did you know that's true today? If God, if you hear God wooing you into relationship with Him, you're going to find out you can't stay where you are and follow God. I mean, Jesus talked to the guys on the seashore and He said to them, "He looked at Matthew, the tax collector, and said." Follow me. And the Bible says that Matthew got up and followed him. You can't follow God and stay where you are in your pagan area, in your non-God world. So it requires a leaving. It requires a leaving. So he says, I want you to leave. I want you to go from your country and your kindred and your father's house. And look at this. Go to the land that I will show you. It not only requires a leaving, it requires a going to. And is that not a picture of repentance? Doesn't repentance mean to be going in this direction and to turn around and go in this direction? It's not that a picture where God says to Abram, I want you to leave what you're doing and where the world is, the pagan world that you're in, and I want you to choose, and I want you to go to a land, not just any land. I want you to go to a land 
that I will show you. And that's kind of what it means when we trust Christ. You know, the the concept that you can have um, salvation without repentance is just foreign to the Word of God. This idea, I'll pray a prayer and then go out just like I've been doing and get drunk or beat my wife or beat my children or whatever it involves for you. Or maybe just going to church. The concept that you can have salvation without repentance is just foreign to the Word of God. It's something we kind of dreamed up probably in the last 40 or 50 years. Pray a prayer and you're on your way to heaven. Problem is, it's not true. It's just not true. It involves leaving and turning to God. So it involves a leaving, it involves a coming to, and then it says this, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you may be or will be a blessing. Now, keep it in mind the context. Did you know the three major religions, Islam, Christianity, and Judaism, all find their roots with Abraham? So, so chances are, God's going to make a great nation out of you. But, but will you notice something? He says, if you're willing to leave, and if you're willing to turn and go where I show you, indicating a relationship with me, one, I will make you. Now, that part's true. God has a significant plan for your life. He created you with a specific purpose in mind, and he goes, I will make you. Do you remember, do you remember when Peter was a fisherman? you remember the guy Peter in the New Testament? He's a fisher guy. And do you remember that, that Jesus, you know, Jesus let him catch a huge bunch of fish. He falls down his knees and said, depart from me, O Lord, because I'm a sinful man. And Jesus said, you got that right. Well, no, I added that. I'm a sinful man. And Jesus said to him, hold on, Peter, follow me and I will make you. I will make you fishers of men. And the the great thing is, when we experience God's grace and when we're forgiven, He makes us. We're made new anyway, but He creates us for His purpose. And all of a sudden, He creates in us those purposes and desires, and they start to blossom in our lives. So even though He won't make us a great nation, He'll make us to be part of His great kingdom as we serve Him. I will make you, and, and, and I will bless you. And I think we can claim that part. Now, the problem is today, even that's a misconception. Because when we think about blessing, we think about what? Money, health, prosperity, those kind of things. No, no, no. See, Jesus, we talked about this in Sunday school. Jesus is so much more interested in our holiness than our happiness. He, he, he wants us to go beyond our comfort zone to our commitment level. And when he says blessed, it's blessed within the scope of being used in his kingdom. And let me tell you something. I wish my doc was back. You know, Terry talks about a, a short sermon, or a long sermon from a short preacher. Now i got a short dock to boot. I kind of missed the rest of it. But, but you know, the, the deal is, is that God has a purpose He's going to work out in your life if we'll allow Him to do that. If we're willing to step out on the dock and if we're willing to trust Him. I will make you, I will make you a blessing. I will be a blessing. Now, that's not, again, health or wealth, but it is how we get... To, you know what the cool part is? Look at me. God is calling us to be a part of something really big. Short story number one. Judy asked the question today to the class. So, so, so what, you know, what did you see? Are you where you thought you would be? You know, when you graduate from high school or whatever. And so she called on me. I said, Dwayne, what about you? I said, well, Judy, i got to be honest in front of the class and speak the truth is, I didn't have any plans. 
Um, my, uh, my mom and dad, they didn't have any money for college. No one in my family really went to college. So college wasn't an option. I just kind of figured that I would get a job and enter the workforce. And through a long story, which you won't hear today, I ended up being in the Air Force, which is a really cool story about how God used that. But I really didn't have any plans. But here's the deal. Little did I know that one day God would allow me to be a, a player in something really big in a way I never dreamed. That one day he was going to invite me into the pastoral ministry and be able to be a teacher and sharer of the word of God. I never dreamed that in 1972. But God in his grace and God in his love said, Dwayne, I want to invite you to be a part of something really big. And look at me in the eye. The same thing is true of you. God is inviting you to be a part of something really big. And all you have to do is trust him and say yes. I will bless you. And here's the key part. Write this one down if you're taking any kind of notes. I will, I will, make, I will be a blessing to you so you can be a blessing to others. The church is missing that today. So, if, boy, if we have to fight everything in the world, every church. We have to fight this. We have to fight this. We want to pull in. Pull in. It's about us. It's about us. Man, God says, no, no, no. Listen, I have saved you that you may be a blessing to others. And the greatest way to be a blessing is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with people, which is what we try to do here at Dorisville. That's what Bible school was all about. That's what June 29th is going to be all about. That's what August the 10th is going to be all about. That's what tonight, the movie, is to be all about. To share the hope and the gospel of Jesus Christ. I, 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 want to, I want you to leave. I want you to go. I, 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 want to, I want you to be, I will bless you. I, I will make you. And also I want you to be a blessing to others. How incredible is that? And it wasn't, listen, listen, listen. It wasn't just true for Abraham. It's true for us. And in this room somewhere today, or on the radio, or someone's going to listen to this sermon off the internet later on, they're going to say, not me. Perhaps you would say, I've got the scarlet letter. This occurred in my life. God could never use me. Um, I, I just got out of jail two weeks ago. God could never use me. I did hard time at Menard. God could never use me. I don't have an education. God can't use me. I'm an introvert. God can't use me. Look me in the eye. Uh-huh. Get your Old Testament out particularly and read it. And you're going to find the biggest collection of losers you ever saw. And God used every one of them because, as Robin's saying, in our weakness we can't, but in His power we can. All things are possible through Christ. All things are possible through Christ. So, so God speaks these powerful words to Abram and He speaks to us. Now look at verse number 3. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And you, all families of the earth, will be blessed. And again, not true of us. I don't think that's true of us. It could be true for you, but it's not a promise we claim. But it sure indicates the sovereignty of God. Once again, God's plan for this guy was that. We get to discover God's plan for us. And we do that by trusting and by believing. Now, on your sermon sheet, if you've got that out, you'll see fast facts. We're not going to touch those today. But those are some of the fulfillments that we see in the book of Hebrews about this story. So read those later on on your own time. Now we slip down to verse number four. 
So Abraham went as the Lord had told him. So somehow, somehow this pagan comes into relationship with holy God. Somehow this pagan who God said to leave does, goes and he does. This pagan, God spoke to him and said, I will make you, I will bless you, and you will be a blessing. It begins to happen. Here's what I want you to take home. If you remember nothing else I say, hear what I've got to say right now. It had nothing to do with the person of Abraham. It had everything to do with God and grace. Can I say it again? It had nothing to do with the person of Abraham. but had everything to do with God and with grace. On the bottom of your sermon sheet, I think I put these, there are three scriptures. Very important. Let me read them to you. Romans chapter 4, verse 3. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and was counted to him as righteousness. So how did Abraham obtain righteousness? Well, Dwayne, dude, he gave 12%. And anyone who'll give 12% has got to be a righteous dude. Dwayne, hello, he went to church three times a week. And anybody who listens to a preacher three times a week has got to be a righteous dude. Dwayne, he kept the nursery. Imagine how many poopy diapers he changed. Anybody who changes somebody else's diapers has got to be a righteous dude. No. Abraham believed God. And it was counted for him as righteousness. There is nothing. Someone say nothing. There is nothing you can do to earn the favor of God. It is by God's grace and only by God's grace. Now, the reason this is important, because I know we've heard that, but we've had a tendency to kind of mix it with performance. Over the last 30 or 40 years, it slowly edged its way into our theology that, yeah, we're saved by grace, but to make God smile, we've got to perform. We're like a dancing monkey on some strings and throws a quarter in our cup. Uh-uh. God's favor is earned by His incredible, amazing grace alone. Amen? So, so Abraham believed God and was counted for him as righteousness. Look at this. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring... That he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Romans 4, 13. Through the righteousness of faith. It didn't come through the law. It didn't come by performance. God didn't look down at Abram and go, he's performing so well, I think I'll add him to the family. Abraham was saved, forgiven, made righteous by his belief in God. By his faith in God. The same way... Each one of us are invited into the family. In fact, the last one's really good. And this is Romans 4, 16a. That is why it depends on faith. Talking about salvation. That's why it depends on faith. In order that the promise may rest on grace. May rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring. Isn't that incredible? Now, you know why it's so good? Because the dude really was a pagan. John Newton was really a pagan. But both of them became children of God by God's grace. And for some of us, that's not so big a deal because we think we're pretty good. We're really not. But uh, see, on your best day, 
you would have split hell wide open. On your most, most holy day that you thought you were really good, you just split hell wide open. So the truth is, we all need God's grace. But the reason that's really good news is because there is someone here who just got out of jail. I don't know that. There is someone here who's had about six affairs. There is someone here who's hooked on either drug or an alcohol right now and addicted in some way. And God says, I love you and I will forgive you and I'll extend relationship with you, not because of what you did, but because of what my son did. He, he died on the cross and paid the price for our sin because we could not. We could not. And because of what he did, I'll invite you into my family by grace. Is that not good? Why don't you all just applaud for God? Just applaud for God. That's it. And this is why people say, because it involves Jesus, they want to say that it's so narrow, it's really broad. Because God doesn't, you know, because it doesn't involve performance or skin color or economic status, it's really wide open. That's why it's so broad. You know, really, it is true. God so loved the world, the world, the world, and gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And that really, really is incredible. So, so, so Abraham simply obeyed. He, he came to what I called this crisis of belief, and he did what God told him. He took a lot with him, and that's a side note. Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Hiram. So, so this is really cool. He comes to this crisis of belief. Am I going to believe God? And he says, yes. If you're here today without experiencing the grace of God, and you're, you're unforgiving your sin because you've never received this great gift, you're in a crisis of belief. Are you going to believe God or will allow your questions that are answered or your history professor at school or your bad experience with a preacher in the past? Or are you going to let something else keep you from experiencing God's grace today? You're at a crisis of belief. And for Abraham, he simply believed God. Now, I wrote something down because I want you to understand something. It wasn't that Abraham, again, didn't have a job. Things were bad. Health was bad. He could go anywhere but up. He was prosperous in his own right. Here's what I wrote down. No measure of good, no measure of good can compensate for God's best. Abram could have stayed where he was and economically he would have been fine. Socially, he was accepted. He had many friends because he was one of many pagans. He had lots of friends. He could have stayed right where he was and had a good life. But he would have missed God's best. So if you're here without Christ, you may be having a pretty good life, you think. But that's because you've not tasted the best. See, some of y'all think apple pie is the best pie in the world. It's only because you ain't tried pecan. You know, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. And here, listen, 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 listen. Listen, dear friends. And those of you who know Jesus, you may have a good life. But you may have never surrendered God's best for you. I, I look back and they got the light off the clock. Isn't that cool? <laughs> Can't see the clock. You know, some of you know my, a little bit of my story, and I'm not going to tell you the whole deal. But the bottom line was through a, a great series of circumstances, weird circumstances, I ended up leaving for the Air Force four days after I graduated from high school. I was a mama's boy, daddy's boy, never been away from home. And ended up going to Lackland Air Force Base for training. Minot, North Dakota of all places. And then back into Valdosta, Georgia. 
And we loved uh, the Air Force. I mean, I really did. And I got married in Valdosta, met Judy. We went to Germany and uh, came back. And God began dealing with my heart about the possibility of leaving the Air Force after 12 years and going into the pastorate. Now, my family thought I, was, I could find no one who agreed with me besides my, my pastor. Everybody else said, you need to stay for eight more years. I could have drawn a 50% uh, retirement for the rest of my life. I'd have been 38 years old drawing half my salary for the rest of my life. I'd have had medical benefits. Um, I would have had um, you know, PX and BX privileges, all those different things. And it made no sense. It just really didn't make any sense. And so somehow, and I look now and go, who was that guy? And I, I reached the conclusion that I need to do this. And so without health insurance, two small children... And my wife, we got out of the Air Force, making, you know, we're going to make $12,000 a year from a little, this little parsonage. It made no sense, is what I'm trying to tell you. But can I tell you something? It was incredible. My God stepped up. You got to like that. Has God ever stepped up for you? Come on now. Has God ever stepped up for you? My God stepped up. <laughs> And so that was like a zillion years ago. I guess that's what, 40 years ago, 30 years ago? Let's see. Let's see. 84, 94, 04, 30 years ago. And he has been so faithful. And now, it's not, now, it's not because I'm, you know, I'm like Mr. Special, like God's got his picture, my picture on his wall in his bedroom. He says, that way, he's my boy. He's just a good God. He's just a great God of grace. And somehow, that silly 30-something-year-old dude was crazy enough to gather. I can't explain. I cannot explain to you right now why I did that. I'm not sure I'd do it now. But then I just trusted God. Wonder what, I wonder how good that $1,500 or $1,800 check per month would taste being outside the will of God. Don't ever settle for good when you can have God's best. That's my message to someone today. I think it's God's message. Because I think so many people settle for good. And the process of settling for good, they miss best. And then there's someone going, Well, Dwayne, I wish I'd have heard of that about 25 years ago. The second point is it ain't too late. The dude was 75 years old when he left Harlem. Harlem. 75 years old. And yeah, back then they lived a longer time. He may have been past middle age slightly. But I'm telling you, it's not too late. I've had two people tell me, God called me to preach. And I missed it. It ain't too late. I've heard girls and boys both say, God called me to the mission field and I didn't go. It's not too late. God... God called me to teach a Sunday school class. The nominating committee will tell you it's not too late. God called me to sing in the choir. It ain't too late, is it, David? It's not too late. Why do good when you can do best? And Abraham simply came to this crisis. Abraham came to this crisis of belief and said, I will believe God. He did. And so, in verse number, number 5... So Abram took um, Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, half of their possessions, leaving half in the bank just in case he needed it for later. No. 
all their possessions that they had gathered and the people they had acquired in Haram. And they set out to go to the land of Canaan. So Abraham didn't partially pack. He packed. He bought out lock, stock, and barrel and said, Okay, God, I've never even heard of you before, but you've told me to leave. You've told me to go. You told me you'll make me. You told me you'll bless me. You told me that I'll be a blessing. Uh, you, I've come to this Christ to believe. I agree that I'm going to believe you. And he loaded up and went. He didn't leave something behind because there was no going back. It's a story. I never can. I don't know. It's Cortez or Ponce de Leon. But one of them folks came to the coast of Florida and put the boys on shore and sent guys out and burned their boats. And you know what he told them? Welcome to your new home. We don't. We don't reserve. We don't receive Jesus thinking if it don't work out, we can go back. Because when you truly get a dose of Jesus, there ain't no going back. Burn the boat, baby. Burn the boat. The problem is, we want to live half in and half out. And that's a dangerous place to be. Dangerous place to be. I love this. The Bible says in verse number 6, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, the oak of Morah, at that time, the Canaanites were in the land. So here we come to a point. He's now, he's, he's with his polytheistic buds. Different land, but same theology. And the oak at, at Mora was a very special place where they offered a lot of sacrifices to the false gods. And Abraham, Abram, is in a minority faith position. He looked around and said... How many of you guys worship Baal? How many of y'all worship Molech? How many of y'all believe in Jehovah God? Ever felt that way before? Down in the mine, 500 feet below ground. Everybody telling dirty jokes, but you're not listening. Kids, students, you're at high school. And everybody's doing something Friday night, but you're not. You're in a minority faith. It's a kind of a test for Abram. So he comes to this place and the Canaanites are there and there's this place of worship, false worship there in Shechem. And the Bible says at that same place in verse number seven, then the Lord appeared to Abram and said to your offspring, I will give this land. When you find yourself like Abram in that place of minority faith, will you still believe God? When you find yourself in a place where it was good, but it's hard now. You ought to read the life of Paul. It started out good, but you're in a hard place now. We still believe God. And I love this because when it says the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. It's like, it's like he tapped... Good thing you were sleeping. You'd have freaked out, dude. You'd have, you'd have given up the scholarship forever. So it's like God tapped him on the shoulder and said, Hey, Abram, I'll keep my promise. I'll keep my promise. I, I know you're sitting here in this minority faith position and you're at this place of false worship and it seems like you're the only one, but I'm going to keep my promise. And God is speaking to your heart today as a child of God. I'm going to keep my promise. It seems hard right now, but I'm going to keep my promise. It's difficult right now with the kids, 
The marriage isn't so good. The job's not going well. And God just whispers in her ear and says, go keep my promise. So he needs to hear that today. When God makes a promise to him, they don't claim some promise made to David or something. But if it's a promise to the people of God and you're a people of God, he's going to keep your promise. Come on now. I'm going to keep my promise. And Abram's response is very significant. From there, he, I'm sorry, so he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. It's really cool. Abram became an altar builder. I think it was a place of worship, but Judy, it was a place of reminder. So he wouldn't forget. We learned how, how the people of Israel had forgotten what God had done for them. So, so when, when he goes, am I still going to believe in this minority faith situation? And God just seems to say, I'm going to keep my promise. He said, I'm going to build an altar to remind me of that. He was a worshipful man. He was new at this gig. He was new at not being a pagan. He was new at being a follower of the one true God. So he just built an altar to remind him. Maybe, we all need, maybe we need to build some altars in our lives. I'm not sure what that looked like for you guys and for me. But it's just a reminder about the faithfulness of God. So then he moves a little bit further. And from there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel, which means house of God, and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And that's the journey of Abram. Did he, did he mess up later on? Yeah. See, God didn't call him to perfection. He called him to grace. See? So, somebody sitting here today goes, well, I thought if you're going to be a Christian, you've got to be perfect. There ain't one, dude. If you find a Christian that says they're perfect, L-I-A-R, or deceived, one of them. There are none. We are forgiven. That perfection thing, it's coming, but it comes after the last heartbeat. And if we had time, we'd talk about how God sees us perfect, but that's another sermon for another day. So here's the deal. Abram was a pagan. And God said, I want you to leave and I want you to go. I'll make you, I'll bless you, so you'll be a blessing. He came to a crisis of belief and chose to follow. He packed up everything. He didn't leave stuff in storage in Hiram. He took everything with him, traveled down to a place of, of minority faith. Good testing time for him. He had to choose, am I going to give in or I'm going to trust God? I'm going to still believe God. God said, you can count me. I'm, I'm going to keep my promises. And he built altars. Where are you at in that journey? Are you here today and you need to make that decision to accept God's wonderful gift of forgiveness through His Son, Jesus Christ, where the price for our sin was paid? Are you willing to understand that there's nothing you can do to earn God's favor, that Jesus did it all, Jesus paid it all? All you can do is receive what He did through grace. Are you there? Have you already made that decision? But perhaps you're here today and you really don't understand that, that God, God has a plan for you. And He'll make you. He'll equip you for that purpose. He'll bless you in the realm of His sovereign will. And then equip you to be a blessing to others. Are you at that crisis of belief? 
Do you look at your life and say, hmm, am I settling for good instead of best? And do you understand today, or I'm willing to understand today, that good will never satisfy like best. And it's never too late. Never too late. If you're here and you, you've come and you've decided that you want to receive this wonderful gift, my friend Brent will be standing down front here and, and we'll take God's word quickly or, or maybe make an appointment to come back with you later on. Say, well, let's come to your house and explain to you what it means to be a follower of Christ. Maybe we can do that this morning. If you're interested in knowing, Brent will be waiting to receive you. If you're here today and perhaps you've wrestled with who you are, how can I be a blessing? I'm such a failure. Maybe I'll come to the altar today and say, God, I admit my failures. And as, as Robin's saying again, God, I admit my weaknesses to you, but I'm made strong in you. And we got some friends who'll pray with you uh, through that. Maybe you're here today and you're wrestling with good versus best. Students, you should be asking this question. You know, I've got plans to do this. Is it good or is it best? Have I determined what God's best will for me? Not something good for me, but what is best for me. Maybe you'll come today and surrender that also to God. And then anything else we can pray with you? You know, this whole thing is about worshiping God and making Him big, but giving you the opportunity to respond. We don't, we don't teach just to teach. We teach believing that God can bring change. That God can bring change. And that's our decision time this morning. So let's pray. Father, what an incredible privilege it is for me to share these great truths today. Thank you so much for that privilege. Thank you, God, that back in 84, whoever that guy was, thank you. Father, for my friends today, my friends here who have never received this great gift of forgiveness, I pray it made enough sense and they they feel you're drawing and, and they feel like this is what I've been looking for. May they come, Father, as we can help them understand forgiveness and grace and your love. Father, for our friends here who struggle with defeat, who feel like they're damaged goods, may they understand that by your grace there is none. That there may be consequences, but even you are bigger than those consequences. And that you desire to use people today. Father, make them a blessing to someone today. Father, for those of us as we journey through life, Help us not to ever settle for good. Father, help us to choose best. And with that, we need your illumination. With that, we need your wisdom. And Father, we certainly pray for that. We need wisdom for parenting. We need wisdom in our marriage. We need wisdom on how how we do life. Father, we pray for that today. So have your way in our lives. In Jesus, I pray this in your name. Amen.